Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Let's talk to my next guest. He's special envoy on COVID-19 to the World Health Organization's David, uh, Dr. David Navarro. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Um, there's nice to um, lovely to speak to you. Um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of disgruntled people that I've certainly been speaking to uh, about yeah. since these new measures were mooted. Um, calling to a new poll by YouGov, and there's some question marks about, about this poll. Saying 78% of people support this, only 17% um, oppose. Many, actually, the majority of people who do support say the measures don't go far enough. Um, but these are nevertheless big infringements, not just on people's liberty. They are big big effects on our on our economy as well. But you. You know, like the medics and the scientists of us and the government, your concern, your number one concern is is about uh, people dying from COVID nineteen. Do you believe these measures are uh, um, are they are they are they actually sort of at the, at the right level to deal with this threat, or, or are they over the top? Well, Julia, I'm really keen that wherever possible, governments do not go back into full lockdowns because they're so damaging. You already said that even the current measures are going to be economically damaging. Instead, I do think that the middle path that Britain is trying to follow is the right one, uh, with hygiene, masks, physical distancing, isolation when you're sick, all correct. I think my, my one regret is that we're not able to support this in Britain with a really well-implemented uh, testing, isolating and tracing scheme, because that's the other part of the effort to get this under control is making sure that when you do get spikes of disease, you can break them quickly and can actually suppress them without them building up. That's super important. And I hope that that part of the operation is in full swing really quickly. It, it helps then to get rid of the virus, which is the ultimate goal. Well, this is, well, again, but, but you and I both know we can't get rid of the virus. We will talk about disease. Well, the, the virus isn't going to go anywhere. It's not going to disappear from the planet. It's still going to exist. No, right. Yes, you're not going to get rid of it from the planet, but you can get rid of it when it's building up in a community. And it's the simple thing of interrupting transmission 
and then actually making certain that you have suppressed outbreaks when they build up. Yeah. In future, the way this is going to happen is with suddenly a, a little spike turning into a cluster of cases, perhaps around a residential care facility, around where there's been a spreading event in a pub or a, a bar, a social place, uh, or perhaps in a factory. And that's the ones that we need to be able to get yeah. suppressed quickly. And that's where the testing uh, and tracing really matters. A lot of people are saying, look, this is the government blaming us for a few, like, a few yeah. young people going out and having parties, which the vast majority of us aren't doing. You can tell from the tut-tutting from everybody that people are not uh, disobeying those rules. Um, that it's, it's, a, it's the government failing us when actually they they you know, say they failed us and they're blaming us. But when they failed us on issues like testing and tracing and protecting our care homes, um, the countries yeah. that uh, have not seen a higher death toll are those that actually protected their care homes, made sure yeah. that they did have the PPE they needed, that they uh, protected uh, uh, and, and made the, the residents and the staff by lots and lots of uh, testing available very quickly with quick yeah. results so they could isolate people who were ill. Um, these are much simpler, easier, cheaper methods than you know, having a 10pm curfew on the entire right. nation. Um, why do you think the government is not you know, putting more emphasis on test and trace and more emphasis on protecting and putting that sort of a, uh, that, that shield around care homes? You need to get the levels of virus down as low as possible in all communities. And to do that, you've got to have the testing and tracing system working. As the virus starts to build up, then restrictions are applied and they do help to reduce the scale of the problem. But I agree with you. In the end, this is about trust between government and people. People doing their part, government doing its part. My son Lucas has just gone to Bath University, arrived yesterday. Uh, he's just started. And he's one of those who's really saying to me, Dad, isn't it a real drag that young people are going to have to change their lives because of this pandemic? But I think he's got the point that actually everybody has to do it, young as well as old. I think if people do it, and if the government does its part, then uh, we, like other countries that have succeeded, will be able to get through it. But it's going to be a tough part, and I, I really do hope the testing and tracing scheme is up to the mark as quickly as possible. And yet we see countries like uh, Sweden that did, yes. okay, uh, they had a higher death toll than uh, other Nordic countries, but there are some very obvious reasons for that in terms of sort of the size of Stockholm, the timing of their half-term people bringing the virus in from Italy where it was spreading, um, the, um, the, the, the large number of elderly people they have in care homes uh, who um, um, and, and the very low, a very mild flu season they had the year beforehand, which meant there were a lot of people who who, who were very very vulnerable, who perhaps uh, were very you know unfortunately very susceptible to the disease. So there are very, very good reasons for that. However, they now think that they may have herd immunity in Sweden largely because they have allowed the virus to spread among those who are able and healthy and young enough uh, to have be pretty much unaffected by the disease. Um, we're being told to hold out hope for a vaccine as early as next spring. You and I both know there is not going to be yeah. a vaccine available to you know, all and sundry next spring. Not going to happen with the best will in the world. Our governments are not capable of delivering that on, on a scale uh, anytime uh, early next year. And we'd be very lucky if it was even by the end of next year. Um, should we not be more honest about the need for herd immunity to this? Well, thanks very much, Julia. Uh, three things there. One, I agree with you on the vaccine. We need to be planning to live with this virus as a society for the foreseeable future. Second, letting the virus just do its business and hoping that that then leads to broad immunity in, in the community 
The only problem there is that this virus is not harmless for younger people. We've got more and more evidence that about one in 20 people who get the virus and recover don't recover completely quickly. They end up with long-term fatigue, long-term inability to exercise to the full and other side effects. So I really would rather people do not see this as a trivial illness for most people. And so therefore, I am saying that I would prefer in Britain and in other countries we continue to hold the virus at bay. The key thing about Sweden is the trust between people and the state. One of the things they have been able to do through trust, uh, maintain physical distancing and masking to reduce the incidence, which meant that they, they believed they didn't have to have so many restrictions. Uh, yeah, I mean, no one's saying this is a trivial disease. I've had the disease, I had yeah. it mildly, and it's still not me for six for a few weeks. Um, and, and I know people my age who have died of the virus and, and people oh, who've okay. been ICU. So, and I know people who are elderly who've died of the virus. I, I am yeah. never, it's not a hoax, it's real, it's not the flu. I completely accept that. However, it, it is the case that for the vast majority of people in this country, it is not a threat. 99.9% of people won't die from this mm-hmm. virus, even if they get it. You and I both know the stats of this country, in terms of, and I've, I've used this stat before, but it is a stat worth knowing. As of the 9th of September, so all the way seven months from February through to the 9th of September, the number of people aged under 60 without a serious underlying health complaint who died in hospital in England in this country was total 300 and seven people. The yeah. idea that we should be taking away our liberties, crushing our economy, losing um, possibly even millions of jobs, hundreds of thousands of businesses going under, thousands and thousands of people dying of cancer untreated because the NHS is now the National COVID Service. The idea that we should be doing that for the sake of that small number of, or admittedly each one a tragedy, but that small number of deaths and the deaths of people who are elderly and with many other um, health problems who are, have an average age of 82, I genuinely think is absurd. So accepted, your argument's completely accepted by me. If I had my way, the system I'd want in place is one that had really good testing, tracing and isolating, very good local authority capacity to be able to deal with outbreaks as soon as they occur, strong trusted relationships between people and government. And then you have the ability to keep the numbers of cases down without having to go to the kind of restrictions we're talking about, without economic damage. In fact, it'd be the other way around. The economic economy could thrive, as we're seeing in other countries, despite the fact we have the threat of disease. So the challenge all the time is to try to keep the case numbers down in order to get to that situation where you can get on with life without needing the restrictions. I agree the presence is difficult and it's going to be hard to get through to the steady state that I want to have, where we just hold the numbers down and get on with life. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Dr. David Nabarro. He's a special envoy on COVID-19 to the World Health Organization. Appreciate that. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley Brewer and The Times. Be well informed. Let's talk to my next guest now. He's a former GP, former International Trade Secretary and MP, Dr. Liam Fox, who joins me right now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Now, um, we're very excited for you that you are through to the, the next uh, uh, second round of the World Trade Organization Director General job. And we're going to get to that in a few moments. But first up, uh, given your uh, uh, role as a, as a former general practitioner before you became an MP, um, I'd want to know your thoughts on the government's latest announcements on this. People are going to get sort of a mini lockdown. People are told to go back to work from home where they can. The curfew on pubs and restaurants at 10pm, uh, more uh, expansion of the rule of six and wearing masks and possibility the army being drafted in to help back up the police. Um, is this a conservative government? Well, it's governments around the world are having to juggle with the same problem, which is how do you uh, keep economies moving, but at the same time not allow the COVID pandemic to uh, uh, rise in terms of numbers to levels that will again threaten the viability of our healthcare system. And we've seen in other countries, notably France recently, Uh, Those numbers rise very dramatically with hospitals in some areas, again, being totally under stress. And uh, until we have a vaccine um, and while there is no immunity amongst the population, this virus will continue to spread uh, and governments will just have to learn uh, an equilibrium in the balancing act between uh, keeping the public safe and keeping the numbers down and keeping their economies moving. And no one has found the perfect balance yet. 
uh, as far as I can see, not any government uh, anywhere in the world. Uh, but what is the balance, sir? Because in terms of the number of people who uh, are at risk of death and the and the age profile and the health profile, um, we know this is actually very low risk uh, to the vast majority of people, although very, very high risk uh, to people who are elderly and have underlying health re- complications. We now know the cost benefit of, of lockdowns and restrictions in terms of job losses, businesses going under, um, and the huge costs of, of a health service that's dedicated to entirely to COVID and not to other um, diseases which kill far more people like cancer and heart disease. Um, Are you confident that the government of which you were once a part um, has actually done that cost-benefit analysis and has made the right choices? Well, if the pandemic were to spread again, you would actually have much greater pressures back on the healthcare services. Healthcare services are now struggling to get uh, the backlog of patients uh, dealt with where we'd have another huge outbreak uh, the health service would again have to totally focus uh, on the number of patients that were suffering from the effects of COVID uh, and it would hit the uh, NHS all over again. So again, th- th- I don't think there is a, an easy cost-benefit analysis on that. Uh, it's judgments that have to be made uh, along the way. Uh, and you've got, you know, you've got the Scottish government of a very different political co- uh, complexion, making very similar judgments. And you've got governments uh, around the world uh, also uh, making those, and you're seeing similar death rates now gradually emerging, as you might have predicted from a population globally that doesn't have immunity and doesn't have a vaccine. Uh, whether you if whether you can uh, relax some of the restrictions is dependent upon the personal responsibility that people take. But we've seen that, especially with with some groups uh, in society, when uh, when they're given a little laxity, uh, they tend to uh, go too far, and that's why the rest of us find ourselves having uh, our, our liberties restricted to but, some extent. But as someone who's from the libertarian wing of the uh, of the Conservative Party, do you not think it's a bit strange that because some people are breaking the rules, the Prime Minister admitted in his address to the nation that the vast majority of us have been obeying the rules, that the whole of the nation should be punished? Shouldn't we just simply enforce the rules on those who are breaking them rather than curtail the liberties of people who've done the right thing? Well, there is a very strong argument, I think, to uh, ensure that those who break the rules are appropriately punished because the impact of uh, having uh, another lockdown, as you say, uh, is severe. Um, But also we need to stop the spread uh, of the infection itself. And uh, until we get a vaccine, as I say, all the modelling of pandemic that I mean, we had this conversation, I think you and I, about uh, four months ago. um, And the modelling suggests that until there is a vaccine, uh, and until immunity is created widely in the population, it will continue to spread. All that we can do is to limit the speed of the spread uh, of this disease. It will not be able to be stopped. So so we, we, we'll just carry on doing this, having versions of lockdowns for the rest of time until we have a vaccine. And, and you think that's acceptable? Well, the alternative, the alternative is for the disease to spread very widely and go back to the sort of death rates that we've seen uh, earlier on this year. And what was that death rate that was, I mean, realistically, um, given, given how few people, I mean, the average age of people who died was 82. Yes, but we also saw uh, that uh, infection cause severe illness. The Prime Minister, for example, uh, who, who survived it, was nonetheless in intensive care. Mm-hmm. And we saw across the board uh, our health services being particularly stretched. Well, if people want to take the attitude... Particularly stretched. If you, the Nightingale hospitals were barely used. Well, our, our intensive cares were full, and it meant that a lot of uh, surgery for cardiac reasons, for example, couldn't be undertaken because we didn't have the intensive care beds for uh, patients 
who were in recovery phase. When people say uh, we can't accept any restrictions on our freedom, therefore people will just have to die as a consequence, that is a judgment you could make. It's not a judgment that I would share. I don't think that is what people are saying. I think it's about being proportionate. But there we are. Let's talk about uh, your uh, job application, your current job application. Uh, You are among five nominees who are through to the second round of the race to lead the World Trade Organization. I suppose, first of all, I want to ask you, what does the Director General of the World Trade Organization actually do? So the DG of the World Trade Organization is a bit like being... uh, heading a government department, being both the Secretary of State and the Permanent Secretary. So they have fairly wide powers to uh, oversee the running of the organization. And the organization itself is responsible for the uh, smooth uh, running of global trade, for the resolution of disputes between countries according to uh, the rules that are are agreed, and to ensure that we get further liberalization of trade and the breakdown of barriers so that we can uh, ensure that countries can trade freely and in particular, so that developing countries can trade their way out of poverty. Um, and in terms of what you are, are offering as a potential new Director General, what what do you think puts you uh, above the other four candidates? Well, I think that uh, the organisation has uh, great institutional memory, it's got great people, it's got great technical skills, but it doesn't have political weight. And at the moment, most of the trade disputes Uh, And the blockages in the trading system are political, they're not technical. Uh, And I'm the only elected politician who's in that last five grouping. And I think the experience of an elected politician, particularly um, given that I've worked in the Foreign Office, given uh, that I've worked in Defence, given that I've worked in in trade, uh, and the the knowledge of of how global political systems work and the individuals in it, I think is what the organisation needs. I think that's why we've had such... Uh, broad support uh, from countries around the world so far uh, in this particular election. And just finally, do you think uh, Brexit is playing a role? We know that the government obviously has endorsed you. you know, your your successor as a, a trade secretary, international trade secretary, is Liz Truss, and described you as the ideal candidate to lead the organisation. She also a fellow fellow Brexiteer. If we did end up not getting a, an EU trade deal or or a US trade deal, uh, our, our dealings would continue to be on World Trade Organisation basis. Uh, do you think it's vital to have a Brexiteer in that role? Well, everyone trades technically on the World yeah. Trade Organization basis. It's just that there are some exceptions uh, for those who are in customs unions uh, and those who have uh, free trade agreements. Uh, the uh, the exemptions are there to uh, make sure we can get trade liberalization. So uh, I think Brexit may, may play a role, um, certainly as far as the European Union is concerned. Um, there are a number of countries that don't think that Britain should get a position like that because of Brexit. There are others who take a, a very different view who think that we need to focus on the big global position. And a lot of European economies are very open economies that would suffer from the breakdown of the rules-based system. Uh, each country will have to uh, decide what's in their national interest, whether they want to actually get the global trading system moving and sort out those blockages, or whether some of them feel that Britain should be punished for Brexit. In any case, we will make uh, our um, agenda very clear, and we've had very wide support from countries uh, around the world, including the the non-EU European countries. Okay, thank you very much indeed for joining us. We shall keep a watch on your your job interviews. Uh, Dr Liam Fox, uh, former GP, former International Trade Secretary, they made it to the uh, second round of the World Trade Organization's hunt for a new Director General. Talk Radio Breakfast with Julia Hartley-Brewer and The Times. Know your times.
Yeah, well, let's uh, talk to uh, to former Tory Chief Whip, still a Conservative MP, Mark Harper, who joins us now. Good morning to you, Mark. Morning, Morning, Uh, Julia. You've written an article for The Times today uh, about uh, uh, these uh, new measures, and you're calling on the government to uh, get more parliamentary scrutiny for the measures that they've decided. First of all, can I ask you, do you actually agree with the new measures announced by the government? Uh, Yes, I do. And and that's why I think it's important to make that point. So when I argue for more both parliamentary scrutiny and and parliament actually making decisions on these laws. I'm not coming at it from the point of view of somebody who doesn't agree with them and wants to vote against them. I actually support what the Prime Minister announced yesterday. But I I do think in a democracy, we are talking about making laws. And in your previous discussion, you know, on, on the football, you were talking about laws with criminal penalties. I do think we must move away from the current position where ministers are making those laws effectively just by signing the regulations and then at some point in the future parliament debates them perhaps um and i think parliament needs to debate the the rules before they come into force uh, and approve them and i think actually that would be helpful for ministers because they would be forced to set out their case and they would take parliament with them and in a democracy fundamentally we can only implement these rules if we carry the vast majority of the public with us which actually i think we are that's what the opinion polls say that is what the opinion polls say. Yeah, I mean, you, you've written in your article, in a democracy, taking the public with you is the only realistic way of enforcing these sorts of rules. While a heavy-handed big brother approach might be acceptable in communist China, it isn't how we do things in the UK. Um, but we, we have got a, a government, as you say, they're kind of ruling by emergency decree. And a lot of us, including me, 100% supported the lockdown when it was first brought in. We had very, very clear aims. We needed to flatten that curve. Remember the, the sombrero shape? Yep. Uh, we needed to make sure that people were not uh, not able to get health care from their NHS just because we had to improve the capacity and we had a disease we knew nothing about. We didn't know how high the death rate was and who it affected. Um, None of that holds true now. Got vast capacity in the NHS. We're not treating anyone else for anything else at all. Uh, We've got all the Nightingale hospitals. Uh, The numbers we're looking at are incredibly low. We are not seeing uh, mass exponential rise in Spain and France, no matter what Patrick Valance and uh, Professor Witte uh, are are pretending. I'm sorry, what they had to say was simply not proven by the statistics that are coming out of those countries. Um, and, and so what is the justification for these new rules with or without parliamentary scrutiny when none of the original rules for a lockdown are, are, are none of none of the original reasons are still in place? Well, I think two things out of what you just said. I agree with you that there is a debate about the potential speed of rise. So the prime minister in his statement yesterday, and I welcome the fact he came to Parliament, made the statement before he did his television address. And he has committed that we're going to debate some of these regulations or the the proposals next week. But of course, that's after it's come into force. But he himself said the doubling rate was somewhere between every seven days and every 20 days. Now, that's an enormous range, which makes a difference in October between 50,000 cases a day and 10,000 cases a day. And those are the sorts of issues which I think need to be tested in Parliament so that MPs can judge are we getting the balance right between the measures we're putting in place and the economy and people living their lives? And my view is we're in this for the long haul. You know, the Prime Minister, I welcome the fact he's accepted that you know, these rules are probably going to be in place for months because I think they are. And given that, they've got to be approved by Parliament. I don't think ministers should be just ruling effectively by decree. I think it's important that Parliament, we debate these, test all the issues. You've been raising some, I know, on social media about the accuracy of testing and raising concerns from scientists. 
both sides of the debate. And I think it's important we thrash those out in Parliament, get parliamentary approval, because that's the way we do things in our country. OK, Mark Harper, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Conservative MP, former government chief whip as well. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.